sorry. I didn't know anything about the kid's dad before you talked to him. I'm assuming I didn't know anything about the guy either. Everybody, yeah. everybody's like, this guy's been in my DMs like a thousand yeah, times for the past three years. Never <laughs> yeah. talked to me. I yeah. called him. I had no idea he was like this. Yeah. And you know what? The fact that I know about it now is the reason the story should have been ran. Yeah. Because Incorrect. My life would have been just fine if I never heard of this kid's dad. Ask me about these injuries, and, and, and I give you my thoughts. If you really want to figure it out, I think Danny O'Neill has the best uh, translations for me here. I appreciate that, Pete. It is Danny O'Neill. Welcome to the Dang Apostrophe. It's a podcast. It's a newsletter. It's posted on YouTube. Rate, review. Give me five stars because I need them like I'm Nick Saban. And actually, stars are a pretty good way to start this because today we're going to be talking about a story and a podcast that was done by Ari Wasserman, who is a reporter for The Athletic. Uh, he covers recruiting. Um, I believe one of the, the taglines for his work is Stars Matter. And last week, well, he, he gained my attention and that of many millions of people. He'll tell you just how many millions because of a story that he wrote about Baby Gronk who is neither a baby nor is he a gronk, but he became somewhat of a conversation piece. And I'm going to read now. This is the blurb as it was retweeted by the New York Times, NY Times main Twitter account from The Athletic. Baby Gronk is a 10-year-old whose father is pitching him as the next big thing in college football. Quote, he's a real athlete. He's not a normal kid, his father told us. He has been trained and programmed since he was six years old, end quote. I have a lot of thoughts about this story. A lot of other people had a lot of thoughts. And Ari Wasserman has some answers. He conducted, a, recorded a podcast that was posted on Monday with David Ubbin, who is a fellow reporter at The Athletic. And we'll pick it up with David sort of setting the stage and Ari explaining or kind of looking at the situation from his perspective. would say, uh, Ari... Uh, there's been so much conversation about your conversation with uh, baby Gronk's dad. What have you made of this thing sort of taking on a life of its own uh, in the last week? Yeah. The New York times tweet had 40 million impressions on it, which uh, you know, how many people are in America? Like 400 million, uh, 300 million. I, I generally yeah, okay. think imp impressions is a lame online statistic, but a lot of people saw it. So and one I, out of 10 people in America saw it. I guess. Okay. Um, impressions is a lame statistic. It can be misleading for, I mean, if you click on something 25 times, that's 25 impressions. But um, the justification being that a lot of people looked at it or it grabbed a lot of attention, 40 million impressions. That's, that justifies the business premise for a story. Like that justifies that, hey, I wrote about something that people are interested in. It does not, it's not a journalistic justification. And the best explanation of that is like if it was all about impressions or traffic or attention, journalists would write a lot more about porn. Porn would be more involved in journalism. And I'm not kidding about that. Like porn is or has been a pretty lucrative entity um, on the Internet and before that in print. And it's it's not covered in the same way. There's a variety of reasons for that. And you could even get into the the morals and ethics of that. But like basically the fact that people are interested in it is not enough of a justification to say, like, that's why we write the story. It justifies the business point, but <laughs> just saying, like, hey, I, I, a lot of people clicked on it. I'm like, okay, go post some porn then. A lot of people will click on that too. 
Yes, I don't know. And that uh, was one of many tweets about Baby Gronk. Yes, and, uh, but you know, I think that the, the thing that really stood out to me, Dave, and it was kind of apparent from the second it went on the internet and through the last three days, is that a large portion of the reaction to the story was, you know, criticizing me for even doing it. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of people thought, why would you give this guy a platform? Why would you try to call him? Um, he's tried to reach out to other people. They have not fielded his calls. It's the exploitation of a 10-year-old. You know, all the things that you could possibly imagine. Fair chunk of those are in my rationale for what I thought. Like, I had no idea whether the, the, the dad was reaching out to other journalists. I would have guessed he was. Like, if you've got a parent who is building a social media following for a 10-year-old uh, that includes trips, college uniforms photo shoots that make him look like a recruit like all of those things i stand to reason that he's looking for attention and any attention that he gathers for that will add to the attention of of what he's building in a marketing sense um would i say it's exploitation of a 10 year old i don't know the family i don't know how the kid feels about it the kid might think that this is the best thing ever I am really uncomfortable with the idea of a 10-year-old being at the center of this, primarily because like he's not legally responsible for any of the decisions. Like, he's, he's certainly not responsible for the adults, but he's not even responsible for himself. So, but he is affected by it. Like, he will be affected by it, the coverage to it, and, and, and sort of that being a- attached to him. So, yeah, like, those are all reasons that I would say is like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think this story should have been, should have been written. And that's not personal about Ari or what he does. It's about the actual mechanics and logistics of the story. You know, I do think it's a interesting dynamic because we both went to journalism school. And, you know, there are, you know, topics like this in, in terms of ethics and whether or not you're supposed to do something. And, you know, we got a lot of journalism lessons from people with egg uh, profile pictures <laughs> this week. And, uh, you know, I. I All right. Uh, I don't have a journalism degree. Um, I majored in history. I took one journalism class at the University of Washington. I worked first three years there, freshman through junior year at the UW Daily. Then I went to work part-time at the Seattle Times, mostly answering phones. But I've, I've worked at newspapers 1999 to 2013. That was my primary job. I worked at ESPN.com. I worked for the past, well, for a run of eight and a half years, uh, writing and hosting a radio show. I don't have an egg for a profile. I, I object to it. So the idea that the qualifications that Ari Wasserman has and the athletic has discounting criticism, that's bunk. Like that's 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 gatekeeping, I guess is the is the current internet terminology for that of like, how dare you criticize me because I know so much and I find that pretty unpersuasive thought about this my editor thought about it his editor thought about it the sensitive content channel thought about it like there's been a lot of people with a <laughs> wait a minute we got a sensitive content channel involved is that is that who who who, who decides about the porn <laughs> that's entertaining to me um i'm glad they thought about it i'm glad they talked about it i'm interested to hear how after all of those conversations the decision was still reached that yeah we're gonna go with it a lot of journalism backgrounds that you know, we're aware of the situation and we went forward anyway. Um, and we want to talk about that and why we think it's important. And, you know, the good thing I want to say here is that I don't have to be right, Dave. Like, I, you you learn um, a lot from situations like this. And I still feel three days after it ran that I did the right thing. Um, but certainly might, 
you know, think about things differently in the future if I come across something like this. So uh, let's get into it and see how much context that we can. All right. Shout out to Ari Wasserman. Like if I've dinged him once on the citing the traffic numbers and once on the recitation of of qualifications, I'm going to acknowledge like a, a tip of the hat of like valid point of saying like, hey, I might be wrong. Like that's 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 the reality for any journalist. Like you screw up sometimes or you make decisions that aren't the best decision. And sometimes I've been saved from those decisions by editors. Other times they've happened and I've written stories that I've regretted. Yeah, I think the, the starting place, Ari, is where does this idea come from? Yeah, well, the, the starting place was having eyes on the Internet. You know, it's like our fundamental job is to see something that, you know, people are reacting to and to provide context to it. Now, I obviously cover recruiting for The Athletic, and I see a 10-year-old uh, all over the Internet in different uniforms getting preferential treatment at college football programs. So, for Okay, like if we're ticking the tally, valid point. Yes, it is. Here's somebody that's attracting a great deal of attention. He's got a social media account with hundreds of thousands of followers, and it appears that he's getting preferential treatment from college programs, as Ari said. He covers recruiting. Absolutely a story. For me, if yeah. I, you know, I thought the Livy Dune thing was interesting um, because of the Riz King stuff and everything that everyone's joking about. But to me, the more important thing was with, with my expertise in recruiting that they're not actually recruiting this kid, and people think that they are. You know, you can't recruit a 10 year old. Okay. A couple of things. That, that's not the story Ari Wasserman wrote. Like, he did not write an explainer of why Baby Gronk is not being recruited. So that's. That's first of all. The second part is that basically he's saying that what was interesting to him about Baby Gronk was the recruiting implications that college teams were giving him, Baby Gronk, preferential access as a 10-year-old. What triggered the story or what spiked his national recognition is something else entirely. And, and, and Ari mentioned it sort of offhandedly with Livy Dunn. Um, there was a, I don't even know if it was a TikTok, <laughs> something on the internet happened last week in which Baby Gronk, a 10-year-old, was said to be risen up, Livy Dunn. Risen up, for those that don't know, means to use your charisma to charm someone else. In this case, it was 10-year-old Baby Gronk, who's known as a football prospect, risen up, Livy Dunn, who is... I think she's generally understood to be the highest compensated college athlete from name image likeness. She has a very popular TikTok account. She's a gymnast at LSU. Um, she's got endorsement deals. I know Vuori. Is that how you say that? The athletic uh, apparel company, Vuori. Uh, there, She's an athlete that's sponsored by them. Uh, the New York Times wrote a, a pretty long profile about her. She, super famous college gymnast, high social media following. And 10-year-old Baby Gronk meets her and is said to have rizzed her up. And everybody was like, oh, who's Baby Gronk? Who's Livy Dunn? And that spiked the interest. And at that point, Ari is saying he reached out or was interested to explain that this 10-year-old, who people say is being recruited as a college football player, is not being recruited. That's not the story. That's not the story that Ari Wasserman that the athletic published. Uh, you know, there's no, you know, there's still a fundamental disconnection between like people thinking how good he is. He's, he's 10. He's not good or bad. He's just, he's just bigger. Um, 
And I thought that if people were going to be in a situation where they think that colleges are actually recruiting him, he's committing to Oregon, all these things that you've seen on the internet that I would call the dad to figure out what the angle was. Um, okay. So here's, here's my fundamental, like if I could in a nutshell explain my objection to this story. My objection is that there's no way to write this story without either promoting the attempts to gather attention around the football prospects of this person who is 10 years old and therefore it's entirely inappropriate because of his age or to do a story that essentially critiques the unrealistic nature of promoting the football prospects of this kid who's 10 years old. Because again, you're essentially talking about a kid who's 10. You're either glorifying him or you're, in some cases, casting doubt upon him. And either scenario is problematic in my mind because the kid's 10. And, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure that I see a way around that. It's a valid story to look at how a person attracts a social media following, which Baby Gronk has, all of the different interests that then become attracted to that attention, to that prominent social media account. It's like moths to a flame. You have an influencer in Livy Dunn. You have... Other companies who this guy says that the father ends up saying that he's got marketing deals with, that he's making $100,000 a year off of the social media account that he's built for this kid. And looking at how all of that impacts the person at the middle of it, and in this case, the person's 10, like that's a valid story. Is it going to have a positive or negative effect on the kid? Like all of these things. The, the problem with it is that that valid journalism story... <laughs> In my mind, you have to weigh it against the person at the center of its tent. He's not an adult. He's not responsible. He's not legally responsible for his own decisions. He certainly can't be expected to control the decisions of the adults around him, whether it's the dad that is filming everything or creating the, the social media content, or it, it's the reporter calling the dad to talk about it. Like at the core of it, like that's my problem is it's not that, hey, this is just nothing. It's not nothing. I just think reporting on it, you can't do it without either glorifying the 10-year-old, in which case, I'm not sure if that's good for him, and it's also going to encourage other people to follow that, or being really critical and saying like, hey, this is ridiculous, in which case, dude, it's, the kid's 10. Like, <laughs> nobody, you could just choose not to do it. You could just choose to say like, Hey, when he gets eligible to accept a scholarship, he can come back and see me. And if the story is actually about recruiting and, and, and giving preferential access, which is what Ari said, make the story about that. Then it's not about the kid. Then it's about the schools. Wait, who gave him preferential access? Like, should that school get in trouble? Does the NCAA have oversight of it? Is this one of the things of... But, but that's ultimately a story that's not about the 10-year-old. It's not the story that The Athletic did. 
I heard a lot. Like, how could you give this man a platform? He's got um, the last few days. His platform is eight times bigger than mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like he has a platform. Um, he doesn't need me for anything. His platform is literally seven times or eight times larger than mine. Um, and I take uh, exception to the idea that I did anything to promote the man. I wrote it in a Q&A style, which was done purposefully as to allow him to speak about what is happening with his son, which, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, if not more, were interested in. So, um, okay. There's shenanigans there. The idea that Ari didn't promote him is pretty tough to swallow. Like, I don't, I find that pretty unconvincing. Especially because this whole thing started out with him saying that there were, there were what, 40 million impressions? So one out of 10 people in America clicked on the story. <laughs> it's a great deal of promotion. I mean, you can debate whether it was good promotion or whether it promoted a negative impression of him, but like you gave him his message and the idea that it was done deliberately as a Q&A, well, that gives him the floor. Like, like it does. Like a Q&A is a valid premise and it can be very useful. It also allows the answers to to be delivered without being challenged or have context provided to them. It can be a defense mechanism for journalists who look at it and say like, hey, don't blame me. I just quoted what he said. It's like, okay. But is the message that came out of of what you produced, is that accurate? And I think that there's a lot of room to debate that about this Q&A specifically. And... The idea that because he already had a 320,000 followers or whatever it was, and that Ari doesn't have as large a social media following, that's absurd. <laughs> Again, because one out of every 10 Americans apparently clicked on this story. Like, seriously. Like, no. Like, the dad responded to the interview request because his mission and his, his clear drive is to generate attention around the social media accounts that are dedicated to his 10-year-old and his football abilities. And he saw that that was going to be useful. And you know what? He was right. That was probably the single... It's certainly the thing that got me to actually engage in the story. I saw the story about him and Livy Dunn. I read a column on The Defector, which is a website I like, um, which actually was pretty good. Like... It, it kind of explained everything. It mentioned Riz and who Libby Dunn was. And like, it was kind of a tongue in cheek thing of like, baby Gronk is neither a baby nor a Gronk. And after the end of it, I was like, I, I know enough to know that I don't want to know anything more about baby Gronk, like, that he's a 10 year old and, and I wish him the best. And I don't ever want to wish anything other than the best for a 10 year old athlete. And then I saw this story and I clicked on it knowing that I was probably not going to like it. And guess what? I was right. But but the idea that, hey, I, I'm just commenting on what's already out there, that's painfully naive. And it's undercut by his statement to start the very interview, which was that 40 million impressions. So yeah, I'm calling shenanigans there. You know, I think there's like a question, Dave, about how it was presented and whether or not I should have written a column. But to me, if you look online right now and see what's the general consensus of the discussion about this man that's on the internet right now, if you think about like what Pat McAfee was talking about, 
uh, who else was talking about it? Uh, Literally everyone. Everybody. <laughs> but I don't, I don't. I don't think I've seen a lot of discussion about how he's father of the year from anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like to give the man we a had, platform. We had, we had Todd Marinovich trending on Friday. Yeah. So like, isn't all right. So this goes back to to one of my points. What did I say? The two things that were going to potentially come out of this was one, you would be glorifying the the prospects of of a ten year old, in which case I thought that was unrealistic um, and potentially harmful, like for both the individual kid and as a societal trend. The other one was that you were going to be casting aspersions on the realistic nature or or what was being done in which case you're kind of even if it's indirectly crapping on a 10 year old he's right like nobody can't i think the general impression that came away from it is like the dad's doing too much he's a little league parent he's a helicopter dad like this is ridiculous and and i mean even some of the reaction like jim nagy who i knew jim worked uh in the seahawks scouting department um, and I knew him. He now is the executive director of the Senior Bowl, which is a fairly, it's a fairly prominent part of the pre-draft evaluation. Like Jim's someone who's plugged into NFL evaluation circles. And Jim made a post basically saying, hey, like the NFL comes down to speed, size, toughness, willing to hit, willingness to hit somebody. Like he ended up saying like what, quarterback is kind of exempted from this because it's a skill. But the, the idea that you can groom a kid or like prepare him to play football at like age 10. Like it, none of that really matters because when you get down to it, like it's about the physical specs. There's not, there's not much technique involved to it. Like you can learn all the technique. And the example that he used was Ziggy Ansah, who people in Seattle remember because he was there for a, a forgettable season. But Jim said in 2012, he was the, I think he's an area scout for for the Kansas City Chiefs. He might even be the national scouting director. But he was in Utah, and he called BYU, called to see, like, is there a, a, a draft-eligible prospect that I need to come out there and see? Been at the University of Utah. I called out to check with BYU, and I think the area checker told him, like, nah, there's nobody that you need to look at. At the time, Ziggy Ansah was playing mostly special teams. This is 2012. And Ziggy... I don't believe it touched a football before 2010. So he's, he's in his third year of knowing what American football is. And this is like September. The final two months of that season, 2012, Ziggy Ansah has like four and a half sacks. And he gets invited to the Senior Bowl. And, and there, kind of, so he's being acknowledged as a potential prospect. And that starts this rapid climb because of his size and speed and his willingness to hit people, and sort of that future potential. He ended up being the number five overall pick in the 2013 draft. So it, in, in six months, essentially, he went from being the, the scout in charge of his school, didn't even think it was worth anybody taking a look at him, to the fifth player overall being drafted. And Jim pointed to that as like, look, it's not about technique, it's not about grooming, it's not about, like, it. it's entirely about meeting the specs for what they have and having a willingness to hit somebody like you don't playing from the age of 10 doesn't help you um but to to write that and to put sort of that in perspective again you're kind of crapping on the 10 year old like maybe he is believes that he is going to be at the at at, believes everything his dad is telling him and he's going to be at the top of it and 
you're not required to evaluate him as a football prospect at 10. You can just choose not to. Like you could just choose to say, no, we're not, we're not going to do that. So at the, at the core of it, like I think Ari's right. Did he glorify the guy? I wouldn't say that. He let the man speak for himself and his words kind of exposed him as being deluded and potentially Marv Marinovich-like and and falling into the, I think most people's reaction was, this is absurd. But that has an effect on the kid too. Like that's, at the at the core of it, it's not that, oh, I think that, I, I, I think that everybody's going to go out and start acting like this dad. It's like, well, I think he's going to follow the kid around. And I think that's probably unfortunate. And there's other instances in which that's happened in which we don't object to it. The Little League World Series is on TV every year. And I know Cody Webster, who was the star of the Kirkland Little League team that won the World Series, like he was never as good a, a high school or college baseball player as people thought he was going to be when he was at 12, and he'd hear it mentioned and stuff, and that wasn't great. This is a little bit different because it's not even really a competition. And... And I would say I'm, I'm splitting hairs there. And, and, and you're right. I'm also like, we don't need to start doing it more. Like we, don't, we, don't, we don't need to like, oh, well, the Little League World Series is a real hot investment property and people watch it. So let's find other ways to, to highlight the, 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 the exploits of, of youth athletes and, and create a bar that they need to measure up to in, in some regards. Yeah, so like, isn't that the point of what this is? Is to allow him to speak. He's spoken. Allow the readers who are smart enough to 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 go through this to come to their own conclusions. And what's the conclusion that everybody came from? Do you think this man is better off now as a result of this? I think that's up for up for debate. I suppose there's a there's a there's a uh, school of thought that would say no publicity is bad publicity. Um, but at the end of the day, I think ultimately, and I think we're aligned on this. Ari is. What we do a lot of the time at The Athletic is if there's something that a lot of people are talking about, whether that be something viral, something that happened in a game, whatever. Nicole's done some of this. You've done some of this. I've done some of this. It's just saying, hey, what's the deal here? What's the actual – who yeah, are these actual some... people? And that, I think, was sort of the jumping off point. If I, if is... I... That's the jumping off point. Um, I don't know if that was the, the final result. And – I would say that there is another way to look at it and and ask like whose interests were served here. Do I think that the dad was better off for having this story written? If his goal is to attract as much attention as he can for the social media account, including his kid, yes, he is better off. Even if there is a fraction of the people that think he's deluded or think he's misguided or even think that he's exploiting his son. He, he got a huge amount of attention from that and validation of my approach is, is, is his goal is to get attention and it got a ton of attention. Is the reporter helped? Yes. The reporter is helped. One out of every 10 Americans clicked on the, the tweet from the New York times. Like the reporter's goal, if it's to write a story that, that people talk about, yeah, I think his interests are served, even if he gets some blowback from people like me that think that this story shouldn't have been written. Is the kid helped? I don't see any scenario. I don't see any scenario in which the kid is 
is helped by this. And that's based on some of my own bias, but some of my own experience in watching how kids with promoter-type dads move through adolescence. I think that's hard. And and maybe this kid will be the exception, and, and this is exactly what he wants. And maybe maybe it's not. And maybe this just intensifies some of the scrutiny that will end up being really unpleasant for him sooner or later. And I just don't see the need for it. Like that's ultimately like there's no one calling for this. And at, at the end of it, that that's kind of what it comes down to of like, do I understand the, the approach? Yeah. I also think that the fact that the subject, the primary person in the account that, that the account is around, his age factors into it. I, I, was, I was a very young reporter, so I think it was my first or second year at the Seattle Times. And as, as, as cub reporters is kind of the term for it, you're constantly looking for stories that will attract general interest. I covered Eastside High School sports in Seattle, so like Bellevue, Kirkland, the two Kinko conferences. It was Kinko 3A and Kinko 4A. And you were constantly looking for stories that would be able to sort of be on the front page and go to all areas as opposed to just the East Side edition. And there was someone that had emailed in a story idea, and my editor, the assistant editor that was in charge of me, got it. I think it was like... I was like, it was a figure skater and he was like six or seven years old. And there was a like, well, why don't you go and talk to him? And one of the other editors, one of the other assistant editors was like, no, kid's six. We're not. It's like, well, what if the kid's really good? Then we'll write about the kid when the kid's older. Like there's no, there's just no reason to, to write about that. And on the one hand, you could look at it and say like, what if that is the next prodigy? And you could be the first person to write it. And you could use examples like LeBron James or, or, or someone who's the massive amount of attention that they got at a young age did not dim or affect the trajectory or their success. Um, it was a recognition of talent. But there are so many other examples where in, in addition to recognizing talent, in addition to recognizing talent, there's a pressure and an expectation that is placed on someone who is not an adult. They're a child. And you just don't need to do it. And like doing it in Q&A form tried to remove all editorialization possible. It's just, it's just- See, that's bad. Like that's actually a fault of the approach. Like removing all editorialization possible is sort of like we're going to take – you're shirking responsibility for that is is what is is what you're doing from a journalistic perspective like you're saying like i'm just gonna let him talk and that's <laughs> you could do that with politicians and even then isn't that the whole objection to the trump town hall was that that you're just letting him talk unchecked like i think the contextualization needs to be there i actually i actually think that's a way of skirting criticism rather than rent something that's in the reader's best interest and a good person is he raising his kid right all the questions that are left for the reader to decide after consuming the piece you know allows people and gives them the power to come up with their own idea of it um now the thing that i think is interesting here dave is that if you're mad at me for giving him a platform what about all the schools that are giving him preferential treatment this is the the and I, is that going to stop now as a result of the story okay again 
Like, that is a story that I'd be interested in reading. Is it? Yeah, I am mad. I read in the story, the, the dad said that uh, University of Arizona has offered him a scholarship. That's Jed Fish. I think Jed Fish is a scumbag if his school offered a 10-year-old kid a, a scholarship. I, I thought Steve Sarkeesian, when he offered, what was the, the, there was like a ninth grader, right? Was it Tate Martell? They offered him a scholarship. I thought that was ridiculous. I thought that was absurd. I, th- I thought that was regrettable. And, and even then, <laughs> I felt like I shouldn't say it that way. Because it reflected on the kid. Like, I don't want to crap on the kid. I don't want to crap on a ninth grader. I don't want to crap on a 10-year-old. Like, I hope that they're as successful as they, as they aspire to be. But when you start sort of, sort of publicizing that, maybe, maybe it's, the, it's the journalist in me or it's the person that's seen you sports where I'm like, okay, you got, you've got to put some context behind it. And yeah, okay, bring some scrutiny. And the idea that his story will spur change among the schools, then write the story about the schools, then talk to the schools. Like, you're the big J journalist. Like, you're the one that went to journalism school. Like, go ahead, go and do that. Write that story. Because that what, what you wrote was not it. I think we'll have to see. It's one thing if a key takes a picture with a coach. He's got pictures of Josh Heifel and Nick Yeah, Saban. he can go to that's, any camp he wants That's to, different. Yeah. But when they're giving him uniforms and doing all these fancy photo shoots – I would argue that that is legitimizing this whole operation far more. And empowering more. and enabling a person that you don't think <laughs> yeah. should be enabled. Yeah. And so it's like, and I think too, like. Write that story. I, that's a good story. There's an idea of like, oh, you know, we're making judgments on this guy. Why would you talk to this guy? Ari, I didn't know anything about the kid's dad before you talked to him. I'm assuming I didn't know anything did about either. the guy either. Everybody, <laughs> Everybody's like, this guy's been in my DMs like a thousand yeah, times in the that. past three years. Never <laughs> yeah, talked to me. I yeah. called him. I had no idea he was like this. Yeah. And you know what? The fact that I know about it now is the reason the story should have been ran. Yeah. Because- Incorrect. My life would have been just fine if I never heard of this kid's dad. And chances are that this kid will never be a prominent enough football player that I'll need to know the kid's name. And that's, un- I don't even want to say that's unfortunate. That's just reality. Most 10-year-olds don't become co- prominent college football players. And... I don't think anybody would have been harmed by not knowing that this guy reaches out to reporters or is trying to flood the zone in terms of getting attention. I don't think that's a justification for writing the story, at least not a sufficient enough justification to offset the, 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 the potential, like the fact that you're writing about a 10-year-old. Now, people know this. All the screenshots of his DMs to everybody are on the internet. They wouldn't have been if I didn't write the story. Isn't that good? <laughs> yeah. I think there's value. Nope. 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 Wouldn't have, wouldn't have been better. Would have been better if none of us knew about it. Nope. Would have been better if none of us knew about it. That I think ultimately, you know, whatever the actual situation here is, I think there is value in shedding light on that. Uh, and I think overall – it's interesting. This is something that we don't see that often. We've seen it a few times throughout history with varying results of success. You know, like Todd Marinovich is obviously the sort of apples to apples comparison. But, you know, we just had what Will Smith win an Oscar for playing, you know, the Williams sister's father. Uh, you know, Tiger, Tiger Woods' dad's Tiger Woods, yeah. Earl Woods is that's complicated for a million different reasons. But on, on what on course results are sort of speak for themselves so like yeah. the fact of like whether like again i i think that with the people that are sort of angry about well this shouldn't exist it's like well i don't think that 
we should just ignore this person because a lot of people might disagree with this you, parenting you style. put it best in text here dave you said i find it weird when people get mad at somebody asking actual questions that answer what's the deal with the thing that everybody is talking about but nobody understands yes like that was like that is perfect and and it's another thing too for a piece of it's valid I, I think I'm not going to say like, hey, I think that's bunk. Like that's that's a, that's a very valid point. Like if I was going to put it like, okay, defensible position. Did this story do that? Did this story answer the questions about what the deal, what's the deal with that? Did it tell you how likely he was to succeed in this, what the likely end result was? of the the marketing approach did it answer questions about the whether he was getting preferential access to colleges which was what Ari cited as one of the impetus for the reason that he was interested did, did it do a good job of that or did it thrust into sort of the the, the main discussion the main online discussion a figure that everybody then took their turns taking wax at. Because that's what I think it did. I, I, I think that the upshot of this was this sort of showed a close-up of a figure who's made a very prominent social media account featuring his son and held him up for ridicule without actually doing the ridicule itself. And the downside of that is that the ridicule does trickle off onto the 10-year-old kid a little bit. Well, no, and the second downside is that you gave the dad the attention that he wanted. Like, those are, th those are the two things. Like, maybe the story, he wished the story had been written a little more positively, but ultimately it's his quotes. Like, you gave him the exposure you wanted. Context. I didn't just call the guy out of the blue. I was reacting to a viral moment. Mm -hmm. The Livy Dunn thing was happening. And it was a little weird. Everybody was talking about it. The Riz thing was happening. And then on top of it, we're talking about a quasi-recruiting situation because he's going to recruiting events and being treated like a recruit, even though he's 10. And um, this thing's played off as a parody. And it's like, where's yeah. the line between joking and, and everybody was life? joking about it. So I wanted people to see what was going on. And we strive to give context to the things that people are talking about. Now, here's the thing that I think is the most interesting about it, Dave. People are talking about... Todd Marinovich, this kid is 10. And there were some things in there about, you know, being groomed and, um, you know, eating certain Salmon diets and, and working out five and that, times. Yeah. And I get that. Maybe that's the case. But the dad doesn't think, I don't think, that this kid is already a Division One athlete. He's just bigger than everybody else right now. He hasn't played organized football um, at the high school level or anything. And when kids get to be his size, it's going to change quite a bit. So this isn't a, a discussion about whether or not he's over uh, he's overbearing when it comes to making him a athlete first and a kid second. This is him actually literally making a social media platform to profit off of. It has nothing to do with even how good his kid is. Yeah, That's the reason like why people follow him. Yeah, Football is the vehicle, but it's not like he has any illustration of being an Alabama tight end in five. I don't get that. So the explanation there is that 
football's not really involved. This doesn't really have to do with his football future. So why is it a story on The Athletic? Hey, am I missing something? Um, you know, eating certain Salmon diets and, and working out five that, times. Yeah. And I get that. Maybe that's the case. But the dad doesn't think, I don't think, that this kid is already a Division One athlete. He's just bigger than everybody else right now. He hasn't played organized football um, at the high school level or anything. And when kids get to be his size, it's going to change quite a bit. So this isn't a, a discussion about whether or not he's over uh, – he's overbearing when it comes to making him a athlete first and a kid second. This is him actually literally making a social media platform to profit off of. It has nothing to do with even how good his kid is. That's yeah, the reason like why people follow deep. him. I don't get it. I don't, I don't, if, if that's, if that's what Ari thinks that this is entirely about a social media account and monetizing it, I don't, I don't know why it ties into recruiting. Um, and I guess it's because he takes pictures in in uniforms and he gets what he described as preferential access. But that's that's not the story that was written. Like the story was a the story was essentially the dad talking about the approach that's been taken to marketing his son for his football talents. Like that's it. Am I unless I'm missing something? I don't get that at all. Yeah, football is the vehicle, but it's not like he has any illustration of being an Alabama tight end in five years, mm -hmm. so much is going to be able to change in the next four years. When he gets to high school and kids get to be his size, he starts playing against a more diverse audience, um, or, I mean, a, a more diverse set of people. Um, it's going to be a little bit different for him. So it's just, it's not about whether or not he's going to be programmed to be a great athlete. The fact that he, the, the odds are, are against him that he'll ever play power five football. Mm -hmm. He's 10. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's true. And then you're crapping on the 10-year-old. <laughs> All right. I, I don't have a stomach for any more of it. I wish nothing but the best to Baby Gronk and his father. I have deliberately not learned their names, nor have I looked at any of their social media accounts. And I'm going to do my best to purge myself of any understanding of this situation going forward. I wish, I wish the kid nothing but the best. Like, I, 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 hope, I hope that he is... Uh, he rises up many a charming young lass over these next few years and accomplishes all his dreams. And I don't, I don't want to read about him again until he's won a state championship in high school or is being offered and accepting a Division I college scholarship. And even then, I'm probably not all that interested in him until he sets foot on campus and it's the University of Washington. Then more Sean Lane. Shut up, Danny.